Welcome to In the Oil Patch, presented by Shale Magazine, broadcasting today from Agreco Studios. Agreco, powering the Permian. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch. And welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Bellotto, and today I'm being joined with my co-host, David Blackman. And we have a great show lined up for you today. We'll be joined by Dwayne Dixon, Vice Chairman of U.S. Oil, Gas, and the Chemical Sector for Deloitte. But first, we have some breaking news from Tenaris and their company spokesperson, Brian Elliott. First, I'd like to tell you about our latest issue of Shell Magazine. Our cover is Mike Howard, CEO of Howard Energy. We were able to catch up with Mike to discuss his leadership vision, strategy, and, of course, is handling the COVID-19, how he and his company responded, and much, much more in this article. It's an article that you don't want to miss. If you want to read it in its entirety, please feel free to visit shale, S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com. Once again, that's shale, S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com. Hey, we also want to double-check and make sure that you have our upcoming event on Corpus Christi on your calendar because it will be a sold-out event. Shell Magazine, along with its partner, the Port of Corpus Christi, will be hosting its annual State of Energy on September 22nd in beautiful Corpus Christi, Texas. It's a luncheon. Our keynote is Mike Howard, Howard Energy. We will also have Congressman Cloud, Speaking to us, as well as Sean Strawbridge, the CEO of the Port of Corpus Christi, Brooke Simmons, CEO of Oklahoma Petroleum Association, Bahad Nassar, who is a spokesperson for the Embassy of Saudi Arabia on all things OPEC. Don't wait to get your tickets. Sign up now by going to shalemag.com and clicking on the banner ad, A State of Energy. Get your tickets now, as this will be a sold-out event. Well, David, time to bring on our guest that we're going to talk to today. It's Brian Elliott, who is with Canaris, He's the technical sales regional manager for Tantris. Brian, welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Thank you, Kim. Good morning. Good morning. So you, you caught our attention because typically in oil and gas, you see a lot of sportsmanship, gentlemanship. It does get a little competitive, but typically not to the point of a press release that you guys had released in which you guys have struggled through some legal complications as an acquisition of IPSOC tubulars. Um, and that looked like it happened in the beginning of 2020. And so it looks like these are moving along smoothly. Uh, I'd like you to tell me about this acquisition. It looks like they had a really sweet deal with you guys. They uh, got a lot of working capital for the tune of $220 million. And you guys were supposed to pretty much uh, clean the balance sheets and then, of course, consolidate the financial statements. But also, you guys were supposed to, with this deal, be the sole provider of this product line. And then from there, things kind of took a little turn. So let's, let's start with that. What did you guys absorb as far as wanting to manufacture the product from ITSOC? Start off on a good transition. Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, if you look at Tenaris's track record over the past decade or so, uh, we've made a few acquisitions. Um, the Ipsco product line 
and the IPSCO facilities in the U.S. was kind of the, the latest in a long line of, of acquisitions and trying to strengthen our, our manufacturing capacity and our supply chain, particularly in the U.S. So with that acquisition, we got a number of um, IPSCO facilities kind of scattered around the United States. Um, obviously, the employees that, that went with that, the resources, the, um, the equipment, and then also um, the connection portfolio. And so um, IPSCO was a very strong competitor of ours in the United States. They had a, uh, a strong market share. And so in, or, in addition to kind of strengthening our capacity and our industrial footprint in the U.S., we were also to eliminate a little bit of competition by absorbing that connection portfolio. Right, which is what typically most companies want to do is to absorb that market share. After this acquisition started, was it relatively quickly that you guys know? Well, start telling me how did it unfold that there was a problem with this merger, if you will. Yeah, so IPSCO started litigation against um, OFSI in 2019 prior to our acquisition closing, which occurred in, in late December. So once IPSCO was under the Tenaris umbrella, then we continued the litigation against OFSI in order to protect uh, our intellectual property and our connection portfolio. Talk about how important it is uh, that these uh, research and development operations, you know, that you're able to protect Number one, how important they are to to the uh, operation of the oil and gas industry in general, and and, and you know the pipe, pipeline manufacturing and consulting business in your end. And then how important you know it is to you as a company be able to protect this kind of intellectual property, uh, you know, from from being uh, improperly used by others. Sure. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's critically important that we protect our, our know-how, um, our intellectual property. You know, we spent uh, upwards of $400 million in, in research and development in the last five years. A significant portion of that goes to developing new connection technology, new material grades, testing that technology, right, so that we, we supply proven and validated technology to our customers. And casing and tubing is a, is a critical part of well architecture. Um, you know, most operators refer to it as well construction material. And, you know, that's their defense against any kind of well control issue. So that connection technology has got to be well researched, uh, well developed, validated, tested, um, trialed, and then deployed to our customer base. And so, you know, we have PhDs. Um, working on this technology, we've got several R&D centers around the world. Um, like I said, there's a significant portion of, of investment dollars that go towards that technology every year. Um, and we also, you know, because we make such a large investment in, in time, resources, money, personnel, we need to protect that. And, you know, in this case, there was a licensee who, who breached the contract. They breached our trust. Um, you know, they, they took confidential information and then used that to kind of reverse engineer uh, their own product line. And so that's why we were so diligent in, in pursuing that um, to the end, and, and we'll continue to do that. Well, you, uh, you have received now a permanent injunction from U.S. Magistrate Judge Christina Bryant. Is there any indication that this uh, decision is going to be appealed further? 
know all the particulars of the, the legal proceedings. Um, I, I don't know that that's going to be the case. As far as I know, this is a permanent injunction. Um, I, I don't think it can be appealed because it's a settlement. Um, I think OSSI is, is moving on for their part, and I think we're doing the same. Good. And, you know, Brian, I, I just want to ask, you know, we've, we've seen a few companies that didn't hold up to their uh, moral end of the deal, if you will. Some of them, and I don't want to mention which companies, but we have seen over the years, some of them actually end up in jail. I, I, I'm not sure if this uh, is to this level or not. But the reason why it caught my attention is because we are in a market time where mergers and acquisitions, we'll see them happening over and over and over. And I guess it's important to kind of cover, this is not really a place where you want to go if you accept an offer. And so Tenaris, who obviously you guys are leading global supplier into steel tubes, plan to stand by legally what you've agreed to and hold them accountable. Any final closing on y'all's plans on, I know you said that you believe this will be final. How do you recover from this as a company? Uh, you know, this is pretty shocking to see you had to go to this level to do this. Yeah, I mean, like I said, we're, we're going to do what we need to do to protect our technology. Um, as you said, we're a global company, so we're not just pursuing these types of issues in the United States, but in Latin America uh, Africa and the Middle East, Southeast Asia, Europe, you know, we're, we've, we've got a team dedicated. We've got uh, a legal team dedicated. We've got um, a group that, that looks into our intellectual property and our, our patents and ensuring that we protect ourselves um, to the extent possible. And, um, you know, we, we, we came out of this with what we needed, right? Our, our, connect, our technology has been protected and secured. Uh, we were granted the permanent injunction. We were granted um, a sum of money as part of the settlement. And, you know, we're going to continue pursuing these. We're constantly trying to, to upgrade our connection portfolio, keep it relevant for, for the challenges in the drilling environment that we face. Um, there have been a lot of changes in, in technology and well-designed in the past 10 years because of the shales. I imagine those things are going to continue to evolve and develop and change, and, and we'll evolve and change right along with those. And as as we develop uh, new technology, then we also, it's incumbent upon us to protect that technology through patents, um, you know, good contractual requirements with, with strong and trustworthy suppliers. And, um, yeah, I, th I think we have a very bright future in the, in the United States. Well, Brian, thank you for letting us catch up with you today and just briefly talking about what you guys have had to endure. And, of course, I want to leave our listeners with, obviously, as we see mergers and acquisitions occurring, following the agreement is, is, is really important. And I'm glad to see the Tenaris, which is just a stellar company, has a great reputation, and is able to come out on the other end, upholding the agreement you guys have entered into. Thank you so much for, for joining in the Patch Radio Show. Thank you, Kim. Are you a business owner feeling overwhelmed where to begin your business's online presence? Maybe you've spent thousands of dollars in the past just to be highly disappointed with the results. We understand because we were once you. Since then, we decided to hire the very best experts to help us and you. Let us send you our business profile that will quickly show you your Google business rankings in these five areas. Reputation, ratings online, 
website, advertising and social media, and search engine optimization. All of these areas really affect how Google ranks your entire listing. So if ranking on page one is your goal, pick up the phone and call us now, 210-240-7188, or simply go to shalemag.com slash business profile. We'll be in contact with you within 24 hours. Once again, pick up the phone and call us now, 210-240-7188, or simply go to shalemag.com. That's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com slash business profile. Start dealing with a company you can trust and always find. Farmers and ranchers are the hardest working people on earth and deserve a side-by-side vehicle that works just as hard. That's why Yamaha makes the Viking an all-new Viking 6, the world's first true three- and six-person UTVs assembled in America. Ranked number one in drivetrain durability, Viking outworks and outclasses the competition in features, comfort, and off-road capability. For more, visit YamahaViking.com. Most dependable claim based on a 2013 Yamaha Source side-by-side owner study. And now, David, it's time to welcome on our guest, Dwayne Dixon, who is Vice Chairman, U.S. Oil, Gas, and Chemical Sector Leader and Global Energy Resource and Industrial Consultant Leader for Deloitte Consulting, LLP. Dwayne, welcome back to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Thank you. Nice to see you again, Kim. Nice to see you, David. Hey, it's good to see you. So, Duane, before we get started with Deloitte's 2020 Mid-Year Oil and Gas Outlook and kind of really break that down and and get some meaning of what came out of this report. Talk to me a little bit about, you've been with Deloitte for a long time. What is your background? What do you do at Deloitte? Uh, Help us understand a little bit about what you're doing there. Yeah, um, I've been with Deloitte about 15 years, and and I've been a practice leader in the oil, gas, and chemical space for most of the last five years. Roles have mostly uh, uh, been global in nature, um, but uh, the recent role in the U.S. has been good. It, it crosses all of our businesses and uh, and get, get a chance to really deeply get to know the clients uh, in the U.S. Deloitte covers a, a vast array of energy topics, experts in a lot of them, you, um, auditing, oil and gas, uh, mergers, acquisition, petrochemicals as well. And you guys released a report, Mid-Year Oil and Gas Outlook. It was on chemicals, a a lot of it. But back when you published this, there were really no reports of COVID-19. Now COVID-19 is here. It has changed everything. It has certainly transformed the chemical uh, industry as well in a very short period of time. So first of all, tell me a little bit about where does the energy industry sit today as a result of COVID-19? Yeah, that's a... Good question, and I'll say that uh, we published a mid-year outlook because most of what we said at the beginning of the year wasn't holding up too well. Well, it wasn't because it, no one knew COVID was going to be here. Yeah. <laughs> You're covered. But, but it was uh, it, it was one of the it was one of those things we got to put something else out there because uh, uh, there, there's nothing you can really get from the original outlook except for the fact that we could look at some things that. We thought like the energy transition and we could look at it and see if it was a trend that was accelerating or not. We could look at whether or not uh, some tools and capabilities that some of the companies used were now either not affordable or being used in a, in a greater fashion. But 
when we started to look at the impact of COVID and we saw the big demand drop, we saw the price of oil sort of get down into, uh, you know, the 20 to $40 range and even lower at times. Uh, we, we just realized that uh, things weren't going to be the same and we needed, we needed to give a different outlook. So our first uh, step was uh, what we called respond, recover, thrive. And the idea is uh, there's sort of stages that companies need to go through. And the first one is to respond to the crisis and to, to deal with it. Next one is to, uh, you know, once survival is pretty much insured, start to look at, at, at different things to do to recover. And, and then hopefully those who are strong enough and who move through it fast enough are in a position to thrive because opportunity comes out of things like this. So that was kind of how we were thinking about it. So the industry itself, I'll start with oil and gas. Um, oil and gas had a tough time. Uh, any part of oil and gas is, is having a bit of a tough time. Fuel demand is down. The other shows that you've done, I know you've talked about some studies that we did that showed some significant asset impairments in the shale space. Yep. Uh, we know that stock prices are down uh, amongst, uh, amongst oil and gas companies. And we, we look at that and, and we basically say, you know, has the world given up on oil and gas? That's really not the case. Uh, the, the case is they're going through some tough times and everybody's stepping back to see, you know, how they get through it and what they do. And the only other thing I would say is all the companies are kind of focusing differently. Some are focusing way out on the future and looking much more towards renewables and not even calling them, not even, not even associating themselves with petroleum or oil and gas or hydrocarbons. Hmm. And others are sticking to their knitting and focusing on being, you know, really, really good in a very focused area of, of the oil and gas space and, and focusing that way for longer term. And uh, everybody's cutting costs. Everybody's cutting capital everybody's making sure that they're going to survive and everybody's taking care of their balance sheets. So that's oil and gas. Chemicals, survival, liquidity, and cash flow is pretty key. A uh, lot of opportunities emerging. We might see a little bit of faster consolidation there than in oil and gas. And petrochemicals uh, had an opportunity, you know, prior to COVID, we were hearing a lot about plastics waste and sustainability and carbon footprint and all of those things are still true, but the chemical industry had a chance to shine a little bit here in the pandemic as well by, you know, really getting out there and producing the things that we needed to get through the pandemic, like PP&E and uh, sanitizing uh, fluids and, and uh, other things. So both industries came through really, really well in terms of supporting the public and supporting society. But, you know, now we have to deal with the economic impact and what's next. And that's such an interesting story that will that still needs to be told. When we get back from break, Dwayne, we're going to cover more of the oil and gas outlook uh, for 2020 that you guys released, as well as talking about chemicals, because this is a treat. We really have not had a lot of discussion on in the Oil Patch Radio Show on what's happening in the chemical industry area. So I look forward to really digging into this report when we get back from break. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Hi folks, Alvin Bailey here. Did you know Agreco is proud to sponsor In the Oil Patch Radio Show? Agreco has served Texas oil fields for over 10 years. 
supporting producers with temporary power to get their product to market. When utility power is not available, Agreco is your reliable alternative. They service everything from pump jacks with a single 200 kilowatt unit to massive gas processing facilities requiring 50 megawatts or more. Agreco is your dedicated engineering partner for diesel and natural gas generators as well as battery power solutions. Call Agreco today at 1-800-AGRECO. That's 1-800-A-G-G-R-E-K-O. Hi, this is Tracy Bentley, the President and CEO of the Permian Strategic Partnership. Improvements to road safety and infrastructure across the Permian Basin have been a priority for the Permian Strategic Partnership since our inception. Over the last several years, new pressures and increased traffic have resulted in crowded, damaged, and dangerous roadways. To fully realize the unprecedented opportunity for energy production and economic development in the Permian Basin, we must focus on building and sustaining a reliable transit infrastructure. The PSP and our Road Safety Committee are working to identify solutions for priority transportation routes and increased access to financial support for locally driven projects that enhance safety and accessibility for all residents and workers in the Permian Basin. The PSP recently committed $80,000 in grant writing support that helped secure $12.5 million in federal funding to increase capacity along 22 miles of US 285 spanning from the Texas line to Loving, New Mexico. Construction on this project is set to begin this summer. Its completion will mean safer travel for the oil and gas industry and regional commuters alike. For more information, go to permianpartnership.org, permianpartnership.org. You're listening to in the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Dwayne Dixon, who is with Deloitte. Dwayne, before the break, we were discussing this mid-year oil and gas outlook that you guys released, and uh, it was because a lot of things have changed since COVID nineteen have ha- has sprung upon us. Chemicals uh, is not an area that has also been immune by uh, COVID nineteen. David, I know you have a question for uh, Dwayne. Yeah, let's let's focus specifically on chemicals uh, with this question. You know, we we talk about uh, the end markets that chemicals use, uh, serve. Of course, they've been impacted as well by COVID nineteen, obviously. And and I just want to give you a chance to talk about which of those end markets have been impacted the most, and and what are the chemical companies doing about it? So I think it's the tale of two types of end markets. So. We think of durable goods and we think of automobile production and construction, housing, infrastructure, uh, and oil and gas. We look more into the medical devices and medical products area, uh, personal protective equipment, hand sanitizers and other cleaning fluids, and then just normal things we need to have to live our lives every day. And we all found out that, you know, your needs change and the quantities of things that you need in your house change when you're doing everything from your house. Uh, you know, just just simple things uh, like paper towels and things like that. Those are all things that are that are made better by the chemical industry. So it's a tale of some really heroic efforts to help us get through the time. And it's a of let's wait and see how the rest of the economy comes back for the rest. Dwayne, uh, the chemical industry has been deploying digital technology for quite some time now. 
But has COVID-19 either accelerated or is forcing the adoption of this? What do you see there? Well, there's a, there's a different study that, uh, that we, I can refer to, we haven't sent you, but uh, we actually, actually looked at it both in chemicals and in oil and gas. And oil, gas, and chemicals companies have been doing a lot of what I would call piloting and experimentation of digital technologies, probably for the last three to five years. And when COVID hit and we had to go to kind of mass virtualization overnight and companies had to come to grips with the fact that, you know, 20% less volume means that cost structure had to be reduced. Uh, digital tools are going to play a major role in, in making companies more efficient, making companies more focused, giving them better information to make decisions about and putting sensors in dangerous places to make uh, work safe and, and less hazardous. And all of the same tools are, uh, are applicable both in oil and gas and chemicals. Well, Duane, when we get back from break, I want to carry on the topic of the mid-year oil and gas outlook report you're listening to in the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. The Texas Alliance of Energy Producers has a rich and commanding history of fighting for the independent oil and gas industry. The Texas Alliance became a statewide organization in 2000 with the merger of two of the oldest oil and gas associations in the nation, the North Texas Oil and Gas Association and the West Central Texas Oil and Gas Association. Today, with more than 2,600 members, the Texas Alliance is the largest statewide association in the country serving independent energy producers and associated industries. Through our efforts, in Washington, D.C. and Austin, the Texas Alliance is focused on a better business climate for you. The Texas Alliance has a staff consisting of highly experienced senior staff and supporting consultants serving our membership. Offices are located in Austin and Wichita Falls. Become a member today by visiting texasalliance.org or email us texasalliance at texasalliance.org. The vision of the Women's Energy Network is to be the premier organization that educates, attracts, retains, and develops professional women working across the value chain. Also known as WEN, our mission is to develop programs that provide networking opportunities and foster career and leadership development of women who work in the energy industry. Thousands of women are breaking ground in energy industry careers every year, and 4,000 of them are already members of the Women's Energy Network across our 14 chapters. Members receive exclusive access to mentoring, job boards, group discussions, member-only networking events, expert speaking engagements, and more. Join today by visiting womensenergynetwork.org slash Houston or call 1-855-390-0650. The Women's Energy Network, empowering women in energy. Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine provides services like print advertising and digital marketing. Our digital advertising services include website, email, radio, video, and social media. Shale also provides specialized web services from website management to search engine optimization and social media management. Visit our website, shalemag.com. Once again, that's shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G.com to learn more. Shale is your one-stop shop for growing your business. Pick up the phone today and call 210-240-7188. Again, 210-240-7188.
Welcome back to In the All Patch Radio Show. I'm David Blackman with my co-host Kim Bellotto, and with us today is our guest, Dwayne Dixon with Deloitte, one of the great advisory firms to the oil and gas and, and other businesses here in the United States. Uh, Dwayne, I, you know, we've been talking, we spent the first couple of segments uh, talking about the chemical industry, and I think that's, you know, that's a, a great thing for our listeners to hear because most people don't think about how chemicals are you know integrally related to the oil and gas business so it's been a great discussion i, w- I w- do want to pivot to the oil and gas business specifically now and and let you talk about your view on how covid 19 has impacted the demand for oil globally and here in the united states well thanks uh, obviously uh we, we start to look at indicators of mobility and, and that starts to help us understand all notice just from our daily lives that, that we're moving around a lot less. And that is also supported by looking at Google Maps and other uh, TomTom and others that show traffic patterns and concentrations and so forth of, of cell phones in certain areas. And what you start to see is we're all a bit more spread out. We're not moving as much, so we're not using as much fuel. Uh, Airplane uh, travel has really changed quite a bit. It, it dropped as much as 80% at one point from where it was pre-COVID levels. Uh, and it is still, you know, sort of hovering below 40% of what it was. And, and wow. we, did a, we did a survey of consumers and 74% of, of the respondents uh, in, the, in our recent study said they'd be uncomfortable flying in the next three months. So. We know that it's partially that people aren't moving around a lot. We look at purchasing managers index. 50 or 51% is a sign that things are going to get difficult. And actually, we were in the 50% range pre-COVID. And it got as low as 27%. And right now, it's kind of hovering at about 36%. So that just says uh, we're we're not going to have as much commerce. And less commerce also means less use of fuel and so forth. So just in general, these are things that help us understand the demand drop. And it's sort of the, that's the real unprecedented part of this is, is the demand drop. Oil demand has dropped from over 100 million barrels per day pre-COVID to 70 million barrels per day. Uh, and we've seen a nice little rebound, maybe closer to 80 million barrels per day. But there are estimates that it could take as much as five to 10 years to get back to pre-COVID levels in terms of oil usage. And there are those who think that we may never actually see the 102 million barrel per day uh, level again, just based on the fact that we also talked about the energy transition. So that's the situation we're in. Prices should be pretty low. We should be able to make it attractive for people to fill their cars. Um, but but uh, at, at the current time, uh, it's a big demand drop and, and a big reaction to that financially to try to maintain survival and, and be in a position to come out stronger. Dwayne, before COVID-19, we actually, you know, natural gas is one of these really amazing fuels, clean burning, plentiful, cheap what have you seen since COVID-19? Uh, the market in natural gas, has it proven to be more resilient in recent months because of COVID-19? And, and what do you see there? So I'll just start with an anecdote. I was in uh, China in December. I guess COVID was in China in December, too. It just didn't catch up with me. But uh, the, <laughs> thank, the, goodness. Uh, thank goodness is right. But but 
the air was extremely clear in December in Beijing. And uh, mm -hmm. I was asking some people what they thought the reason for that was. And obviously, we had a couple of days of the wind going in the right direction. But the, the biggest answer is they'd made a bunch of conversions of electricity plants to natural gas. Yeah. And you start to sort of grasp the importance of natural gas all around the world. and, and uh, and obviously, in the petrochemical space, uh, most of the capital projects that were, were uh, you know, being pushed in the U.S., uh, both in the Marcellus field and down in the Gulf Coast, were all based on natural gas. So very, very important commodity. And it, there was a time where we feared it was going to really spike. And uh, the spike would be like this. We're seeing a tremendous amount of... of um, shut-ins for shale wells. We're starting to see, you know, lower production there. The associated gas that we would get with that doesn't come along as well. So we would expect right. a, a shortage and maybe potentially a spike in the price. But we're seeing things like the Marcellus fields and others continue to produce to offset some of that. And we also see a very low global liquid natural gas price. So we're, we're still sticking to under two dollars per million BTU and it's one of those things that as long as we don't have an export market uh, I think the U.S. is going to be pretty self-sufficient and going to be able to maintain reasonable pricing it's going to be good for consumers and good for petrochemicals maybe not good for the gas industry and and uh, as long as we have uh, low oil prices we're going to have lots of options in terms of feedstocks for chemicals yeah. so it's an interesting market. It's it's held up very nicely. It didn't take as big a hit as oil, um, but we say longer, lower for longer is probably the way we look at natural gas at this point. And I just want to say, in in listening to you, how important it is for us, you know, the show and Shell Magazine, to continue to push out. You know, what you said about being in Beijing and seeing everything uh, a lot clearer, and uh, this is one of those bridge fuels that truly, um, or a fuel that truly can be a great resource, and I wish that it was discussed more with, by environmentalists, that it really is a, 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 a pretty dynamic uh, energy source for us, and, and it on should have a lot quite, more discussion on that. But we're going to take a quick break. a change from where it used to be. Exactly. Yes, sir. But when we get back from break, we're going to continue talking on natural gas you're listening to in the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Remember this name, Oil Field Experts, to locate any part, any time for your automotive or oil field equipment needs. Oil Field Experts' specialty is those hard-to-find oil field parts for your fleet maintenance needs, and we've been providing those parts and accessories to keep your tools turning since 1965. From the auto repair shop to the pump jack, call us for the right part right now. Write down this number, Oil Field Experts, 210-471-1923. Again, that's 210-471-1923. And visit us on the web at theoilfieldexperts.com. Hey, you. Do you want to join the fastest-growing oil and gas network in Texas? Ma'am, I'm all for growing my business. So you've got my attention. What is it? TEEK is the Texas Energy Advocates Coalition. They hold business mixers to help businesses grow and network. Any cost to join? For the next 90 days, it's completely free. No charge to join. But they do want like-minded individuals to attend who are interested in growing their business and networking. Well, I want to join. Where should I go? Go to shalemag.com slash teak and click on the join link 
Enter your information and we'll get you set up. Join the Texas Energy Advocates Coalition at shalemag.com slash teak today. Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine provides services like print advertising and digital marketing. Our digital advertising services include website, email, radio, video, and social media. Shale also provides specialized web services from website management to search engine optimization and social media management. Visit our website, shalemag.com. Once again, that's shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G.com to learn more. Shale is your one-stop shop for growing your business. Pick up the phone today and call 210 210- 240-7188. Again, 210-240-7188. Are you a business owner feeling overwhelmed where to begin your business's online presence? Maybe you've spent thousands of dollars in the past just to be highly disappointed with the results. We understand because we were once you. Since then, we decided to hire the very best experts to help us and you. Let us send you our business profile that will quickly show you your Google business rankings in these five areas. Reputation, ratings online, website, advertising and social media, and search engine optimization. All of these areas really affect how Google ranks your entire listing. So if ranking on page one is your goal, pick up the phone and call us now, 210-240-7188, or simply go to shalemag.com slash business profile. We'll be in contact with you within 24 hours. Once again, pick up the phone and call us now. 210-240-7188 or simply go to shalemag.com that's s-h-a-l-e-m-a-g.com slash business profile start dealing with a company you can trust and always find Welcome back to In the All Patch Radio. I'm David Blackman with my co-host Kim Bellato and our guest today, Dwayne Dixon with Deloitte. Dwayne, um, of course, in recent months, but there, there's been so much talk about the energy transition, and there seems to be this this growing consensus that somehow the COVID-19 pandemic is going to speed the energy transition, uh, which means speed the conversion from oil and gas and fossil fuels to to renewable-based energy. But I wonder what, what Deloitte's view on that is. Uh, it seems to me that this cuts both ways. And I just wonder, if, if, does Deloitte, do you expect uh, these low oil and gas prices to, to slow the energy transition or to accelerate it? I'm going to give you the sort of wishy-washy answer of I expect it to do both. Uh, so, <laughs> Maybe it does do both. <laughs> so I, I think we're going to have um, a lower demand for fuel and lower fuel dependency. That's gonna have two reactions. One, probably prices are gonna be attractive, which could stimulate more fuel demand Mm -hmm. and could mean that people who are a little more concerned about getting in an Uber or concerned about getting on public transportation decide to buy a car and it's got an internal combustion engine, which is probably really efficient because the industry's really focused a lot on efficiency. Uh, but we also see renewables as a good business business case for those who are investing in them. And it's pretty stable returns, you know, with the raw material being the sun or the wind. Uh, so, so you know, those could continue on, but they're not going to be spurred on by high energy prices. They're going to be spurred on by returns on their own. So they're going to have to get down their own cost curve. And, and, uh, yeah. and th- those technologies are going to have to do better. But I think the biggest 
change. All, the whole industry will have a lot to do with the oil majors. Everybody will have a lot to do with the biggest change, which is just going to be greater systemic efficiency. If the pandemic didn't teach us anything, it taught us that we need transparency about what's out there and what we can what we can uh, harness as resources and what we can see and what we can use because uh, you know if this thing had been protracted and more serious uh, some of the shortages that we were starting to experience could have been really significant yeah. and everybody plays a role in that the the, the fuel industry plays a role in that uh, renewables providing electrical resources would play a role in that you know everybody would play a role the only other thing I would say is if we look at demand and how demand works, um, longer term in the, in the energy transition, electricity has a lot more to do with what's going on in the energy transition than, than fuels. Uh, and we really think about things like, you know, conversion to natural gas or conversion to renewable sources for electricity the concept that one day electricity could be free or so, or sort of essentially free. That'd be awesome. And, and you start to think, you know, those are different types of possibilities and that's where the systemic efficiency kind of comes into play. So I'm anxious to see what we learned about the system and if we can make it more efficient. And if that's the case, we could see a acceleration. But I think overall, it's probably going to move at about the same pace. Uh, everybody cares just as much as they did about sustainability and, and carbon footprint. Um, and it's just not front and center as the number one priority right now because people are trying to survive and get, get through this. Yeah. Very, very interesting. You know, what I'm hearing over and over is is just looking at everything. And I guess all things are on the table of what makes sense after uh, post-COVID-19 and we find our way back into uh, the working uh, world again. Dwayne, I want to leave you with your final thoughts. Um, where where do you see us heading in the way of uh, diversification, energy, transformation, um, anything that's really standing out uh, outside of what you said a, a minute ago that really um, we need to be watching out for? Well, I think the first thing is, is um, we've got to think, in both terms of our society and our, our our company cultures and how much they've changed. And we're working virtually, we're seeing different aspects of intelligence in our coworkers than we saw before. We're solving problems differently. Uh, we're solving problems that we probably didn't think we could solve. Uh, you know, trying to close the books at the end of the first quarter of COVID, everybody doing it from their, you know, their kitchen table or their living room that seems like a daunting task, and now we've done it a couple times. Uh, but you know, so I think the the, the first thing is is uh, we've we've sort of stretched boundaries of our capabilities, and and that's going to be good. I think there's a certain level of optimism in seeing how well how well most of these companies have looked after themselves, how good their balance sheets were going into this, and how strong they were, and they're going to come out stronger, uh, and they're getting more focused. So, you know, I think innovation does happen in tough times, so I'm a bit optimistic there. But I think in these next six months, we're going to see a lot of signposts about, you know, how fast we're going to come out of COVID for sure, but also what all of the oil and gas companies and some of the chemical companies are going to become. 
And I, I think it's going to be an exciting future because it, it's going to be about differentiation and there's going to be a lot of different ways to succeed in this industry. Yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. I think uh, there was a report that uh, I, came out that was uh, discussing. So we're in this great energy transformation. And uh, Duane, I like what you said about how we're all having to learn how to be brighter, faster, smarter, and we're definitely achieving all these uh, different areas that we never thought we could. But the the report was one that was discussing, you know, there, there, there will be some fallout as well. We're not getting nearly as much exercise as as we used to, and uh, we're not going out as much in the sun. And I think the average weight gain was like 17 pounds. So there's going to be some negative impact to COVID-19 on us as a whole. Uh, And so I guess what I want to leave us with is hopefully everybody stay safe, get out and, uh, you know, enjoy the sunlight. Don't forget to do some exercise in your home. Kiss your puppy and and, and hug your children and, and your husbands and your wives. Uh, but Dwayne, I do want to thank you for for joining us today. You gave us a lot to think about uh, on chemicals and energy transfer. So, on behalf of David, myself, and of course uh, the team here at in the Oil Patch Radio Show, thank you for joining us today. We really had a, a great show with you. Well, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks, Dwayne. In the Oil Patch is where together we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bilotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.